You're listening to In the Studio with Michael Card. The session is made possible by our friends with the Christian Standard Bible. Learn about this new translation and the many ways you can enjoy the CSB. Explore online when you visit csbible.com. We are in the studio with Michael Card. Welcome, I'm Wayne Shepherd, and we are in the studio, although we are recording via Zoom. I wish I could be in the same studio with you, Michael, but this is just more practical, I guess. I'm I must say I'm getting used to this, you know. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh it's why because you can not, turn me off at any time. Is that the idea? Well, well no. <laughs> but uh <laughs> <laughs> Boy, we're off to a great start this week. Well, I'm afraid that after we've done this so long this way, if we get back together, it's just going to be a yuck fest. I mean, we're not going to get yeah. anything done. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of um, having fun, Buddy Green's going to join us in the oh, second half of the program yeah. today. Is there anybody yeah. we have more fun with than Buddy, huh? No, I mean, I, I have a lot of friends. God's blessed me with a lot of friends, but I don't know anybody like Buddy Green. He's He's got this... Uh, of course, he's one of the greatest musicians in the world, but he plays that down like great musicians do. Right. But uh, he he was an elder in our church uh, uh, for a long time, the church that I attended, and so he's got this pastoral piece. He can, you know, let down his hair, and we can have fun. I, mm-hmm. I've just never, I've never known anybody like Buddy Green, and and uh, you're those of you who are listening are going to get to have a little dose of that here in a yep, minute. Yep, going to be coming great. up in the second half of our podcast. Yeah. In the first yeah. half, we're going to hear your commentary, your continuing series that was recorded at The Cove in Asheville, North Carolina in the summer of yeah. 2021. We're going to be in Mark chapters 4 and 5 today talking about the miracles of Jesus. So stay tuned for that coming up in just a moment. And by the way, we always celebrate the CSB translation of the Bible when we get yeah. together because this is an important part of who we are. It really is, and it's it's um, it's it's helping me shape the way I read Scripture. Um, I, I, I said I've said this before. I'm kind of an NIV person. I think in NIV, and I know what the next verse is going to be, uh, especially in the New Testament. But with the CSB Fresh Translation, it's not that way. It's like uh, I never know what the Bible is about to say, and that's where you need right. to be. And that's one of the best reasons I can think of for a fresh translation. I'll say more about the CSB in a few moments here in the podcast. Ken wrote to us, and thank you for your notes to us. It helps us understand the situations in which you listen to the podcast, and we project ourselves into those situations. At least I do, Mike. I don't know if you do that, yeah, but, yeah. But, but I do. Ken wrote to us and said, this week's session was wonderful. I almost always listen during my Monday evening walk or Tuesday a.m. run. So see, as we talk, we're walking with Ken. <laughs> I so appreciated Michael's talk on the gravitational pull of Hesed, and especially the surprise of the Old Testament, God's kindness subsequently incarnated in Jesus, and now by believers being transformed into his likeness. Wow, what a good summary. Uh, I couldn't have put that any better myself. Yeah. Thank you, Ken. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay, let's get to Michael's teaching, but first, he sings a song for us. Sea of Souls, here's Michael Card. Nets and boats behind to follow him so I could find a way to cast a different line upon the sea of souls, upon the sea of souls. We ride the tides of time, and Jesus shouts, Behold, you stand beside a sea of souls. 
On that day, when evening had come, he told them, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So they left the crowd and took him along since he was in the boat. And other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking over the boat. This this is as poetic as Mark gets. Um, there's a structure to this statement. Mark says, uh, CSB, we translated a great windstorm. It's mega animu, great wind. Mega, great, great wind. And then after Jesus says what he says, there is a great calm. That's in verse 40, no, 39. There's a great calm. And then in 41, there's a, a great fear. So there's a great wind then there's a great calm. And after the calm, there's a great fear. It's not the storm they're afraid of. As Mark tells the story. Or as Peter tells Mark the story. Okay. So they left the crowd. A great, uh, verse 37, a great windstorm arose and waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. He was in the stern sleeping on a cushion So they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? Imagine asking Jesus if he didn't didn't care. He got up. I see him wiping, you know. He gets up, rebukes the wind, and said to the sea, he talks to the wind and the waves, silence. And Bill used to say, literally what he says is, be muzzled. Be muzzled. Be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. So there's a great wind, and then there's a great calm. Then he said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified. Great fear. They're not afraid of the storm. They're afraid of Jesus You're in the boat with a guy who speaks to the wind and the waves, and it does what he tells them to do, and it's terrifying. They were terrified and asked one another, who is this then? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Now, you've heard that story a million times. Ask that God would let you hear that in a new way, as if you've never heard it before. They're not afraid of this storm. They're afraid of him. Ultimately, they're terrified by him. Uh... And it's very important that they see Jesus in conflict. And what Bill would say is this storm, they'd never seen a storm like this before. These men have been on this lake, most of them their whole life. They've seen storms on the Sea of Galilee. Bill claimed that this storm was really demonic because Jesus says to the storm exactly what he says to the demons, be muzzled. It's the same same word. 
So he speaks to this demonic storm because what, what's the situation? Satan has them all in the same boat. What are we going to do? We're going to kill these guys. And in, in a minute after the gathering demoniac, um, there are going to be, what, 2,000 dead pigs floating in the sea? Well, what happened to those pigs is what Satan had intended to, be happen, to happen to the disciples. He was kind of hoping there would be 13 people floating on the sea after this storm. So I think uh, the, the text isn't dogmatically says, says, saying that it's a demonic storm, but I think it's, it's a meaningful idea. So what do we have? We have Jesus in this storm, this demonic storm, and then he gets to the, the other side, and what does he encounter? Gathering demoniac. Right, So this is a story, Bill would say, of Jesus' power over the demonic. Okay, So uh, strike one, the storm didn't kill them. So uh, gathering demoniac. And if you've ever been to Israel, if you've ever been to the Sea of Galilee, you can see this. You can be on the Jewish side and look across and see the, the cliffs. There's only one spot on the Sea of Galilee where the cliffs come down into the sea, and it, that's where it is. So it, you, can, you can see this place. So they came to the other side, uh, to the region of the Gerasenes, or the Gadarenes, it's all, you know, Gergesenes, lots of different versions. As soon as he got out of the boat, a man with an unclean, uh, unclean spirit came out of the tombs and met him. He lived in the tombs, and no one was able to restrain him anymore. This guy is the poster child for demonic possession. He, he reveals every sign of demonic possession. He, he tears his uh, clothing. He is uh, strong. They can't, um, they can't uh, restrain him even with chains. Uh, no one is strong enough to subdue him. Verse 5, night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was crying out and cutting himself with stones in 1 Kings. That's what the, there's demonic worshipers and they cut themselves uh, with stone. And again, what is the purpose of demonic possession? To, demar, to, to mar the image of God in us and ultimately to kill us. And that's what's going on in this man's life. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and knelt before him. He cried out with a loud voice, what do you have to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you before God, don't torment me. For he had told him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. So there it is. What's your name? He asked him. Now, does Jesus need to know the name of the demon to cast him out? No. There's a point. He's making a point. What's your name? My name is Legion. He answered him. Because we are many. The personal pronoun just says. See, what do you have to do with me, 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 me? We. So, uh, and, and legion, how many, how many is legion? It's four to 6,000 people. And uh, it's a Roman military term from four to 6,000 people. My name is legion. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the region. I don't completely understand that. A large herd of pigs was there feeding on the hillside. The demons begged him, send us to the pigs so that we may enter them. And it's kind of odd that Jesus does what they ask him to do. But what happens is the pigs all die. So that was the, what, what, what was eventually going to happen to the demon-possessed man. Or he was going to be killed. So what happens to the pigs is what was supposed to happen to him. And Jesus spares the man's life and sacrifices the pigs. That also lets you know it's a Gentile area. So he gave them permission. 
Isn't it interesting that they still have to get permission from him? In the book of Job, Satan has to get permission from God to do what he did to Job. All suffering is sovereign suffering. God's in control of everything. It's not God against Satan, yin and yang, you know, this sort of thing. No, God, it's, it's part of being God. <laughs> He's controlled. He has control over everything. So the demons have to get permission. Satan has to get permission from God to do what he does. But then God always turns it around <laughs> and uses it for his glory, just like uh, is going to happen here. So that's, that's, how he, uh, that's how he does his thing. A large herd of pigs was there feeding on the hillside. The demons begged him, send us to the pigs so that we may enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. It's interesting. It doesn't seem like he cast them out. He gives them permission, and they leave. I've never seen that before. The herd of about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned there. The men who tended them ran off and reported in the town and countryside, and people went to see what had happened. This is not good. They came to Jesus and saw the man who'd been demon-possessed sitting there, dressed, so he put his clothes back on. He was probably naked. So he's dressed in his right mind, and they're afraid. Doesn't that seem odd to you? They're afraid because of the absolute lordship of Jesus over the demons. Here's this man that they'd seen. I mean, this, this is the man from the tomb. We write songs about this guy. We tell our children, you better get to bed early or the man from the tombs is going to come and, you know, get you. And now he's dressed and in his right mind. And they're terrified by that because of the absolute lordship of Jesus. He's terrifying. He can be terrifying. Bill, Bill Lane would say, he's a disturbing presence. Jesus has a disturbing presence. So they're afraid. Those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and, and told about the pigs. Then they began to beg him to leave their region. You need to get out of here. We don't need you here. Isn't that something? As he was getting into the boat, the man who'd been demon-possessed begged him earnestly that he might remain with him. Um, this man is almost certainly a Gentile. Jesus never says no to a Jewish person who wants to follow him. He's almost certainly a Gentile. So he begged to go uh, with him. And Bill would say, if you're trying to drum up followers, this is the guy you want, right? Right, he's a big draw. Look, here are the chains that he broke. And here, tell him your story. And you know, But that's not what Jesus is doing. He's not drumming up followers. He's calling disciples. So he, he begs uh, he begs to go with Jesus, and Jesus won't let him. He says, go home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you. What is this doing? Jesus is pointing away from himself to God. He's earning praise for God. That's what he does. That's how he does his thing, and that's consistent. Go tell him how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy, hesed, on you. So he went out and began to proclaim in the, in the Decapolis, which is all pagan, uh, how much Jesus had done for him, and they were all amazed. So that's Jesus' power uh, over the, the demonic, the demonic storm and the demonic man. Okay, next, Jesus in conflict with disease and death. And again, the disciples, he's discipling them. They are with him. They see this. The, the disciples were there in the boat. They saw that. They saw Jesus deal with this demonic possessed man. And the disciples are going to see uh, Jesus' uh, power over disease and death. And this is 521. 
When Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, he's crisscrossing the northern tip of the lake. If you look at that, if I had a map, the map of Galilee, the, the map we have is the lake's too small. If I had a big picture of Galilee, the lake, there's no word of him ever going to Tiberias. He avoided big cities. Uh, I mean, other than Jerusalem and maybe Caesarea Philippi, Jesus, we don't have word of him being in the big And there are other big cities that he could have gone to. And, and even the, the lake, there's no word of him ever being on the southern part of the lake. It's just the northern part. He seems to crisscross. Um, again, we only have .09, so maybe he was all over that lake. We just don't know. So when he crossed over to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the sea. One of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. I wrote a song about this passage. It's a whole series of people who fall at Jesus' feet. That's kind of the, what ties them together. So he's the synagogue leader. He, he makes sure that the services are on time. He takes care of the building. That's who Jairus is. So he came and he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, my little daughter is dying. Come lay your hands on her so she can get well and live. So Jesus went with him a large crowd was following and pressing against him. Okay, that's the, it's aklos, it's a mob that's pressing against him. Now a woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years, there are wonderful parallels, the little girl is 12 years old, she's been suffering for 12 years, she's referred to as daughter, Jesus calls this woman daughter, there's lots of neat parallels in this story. Um, now, a woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years had endured much under many doctors. That's the part Luke leaves out. She spent everything she had uh, and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. Okay, so Luke says, they don't need to know that. I'll leave that out. <laughs> Having heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothing. For she said, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be made well. Instantly, her flow of blood ceased, and she sensed in herself that she was healed from her affliction. And you, you, you've heard the story. She is perpetually unclean. No one can have anything to do with her because of this condition. And it's assumed that she must have done something wrong to deserve, something horrible to deserve this. And she reaches out, and she touches the, the corner of Jesus, uh, the, the fringe of his garment. At once, Jesus realized in himself that power had gone from him. Stop right there. For the first time a couple of days ago, I heard that verse almost as if I'd heard it for the first time. So he's walking along the crowd, right? And someone touches him and he feels the power go out of him. For the first time, I realized that happened to him all the time. He's being drained. You know, no wonder he sleeps through the storm on the boat right? He is exhausted because people are touching him and power is going out of him. And so for the first time, I had sort of this new appreciation of, of what he endured for us, you know, what he endured for us. So, um, so he felt that power, he turned around uh, in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Now she thinks she's in big trouble, right? Because what has she just done? She's made him unclean. Right, And he's got to go through this lengthy process to be cleansed again, and it's not good. She's, she thinks she's about to be in big trouble. His disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing against you, and yet you can say, who touched me? 
Yeah, they're so rude. But he was looking around to see who had done this. The woman with fear and trembling, knowing what had happened. CSB says to her, in the Greek it's in her. She knows what happened in, has happened in her, came, and she fell at his feet. So that's the second person that is, who's at his feet. She came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. And again, it's her faith in Jesus that healed her, right? And it's Jesus' power that healed her. While he was still speaking, people came from the synagogue leader's house and said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? There's an assumption behind that question. What is the assumption? There's nothing to do now. She's dead. So don't bother him. Okay. Don't bother him. When Jesus overheard what was said, he told the synagogue leader, don't be afraid. Just believe. And, and the phrase that's translated, don't be afraid, in, in Greek, more literal, it's, it's, it's dicey to talk about the literal translation, but a more literal translation is, it's, it's just may phobu. May is no, phobu is fear. Basically, Jesus says, no fear. No fear. We translate that, don't be afraid, because that's what it means. But I imagine him saying, no fear. No fear, okay? So no fear. Um, only believe. He did not let anyone uh, accompany him except Peter, James, and John, James' brother. So again, he's discipling the disciples, and the three are the core. There are concentric circles of intimacy with the disciples. There's the three, the 12, and the 70, right? And the three are people that he are, are going to be, especially Peter, are going to be in leadership amongst the 12, Later on, so he'll he asked them to be with him in the garden. You know, you know this. He, he has a special intimacy with the three, and so he takes the three in because they need to see this. So he takes Peter, James, and John in because he's discipling his disciples. They came to the leader's house, and he saw a commotion: people, uh, people weeping and wailing loudly because that's what you do in Judaism when someone dies. Um, he went in and said to them. Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child's not dead but asleep. And here again, he refers to death as sleep and people don't understand him, which is a puzzle to me because in their culture, death was frequently referred to as sleep. So this is a big question for me. So there's a new, new question. She's not, a, she's not dead, she's asleep. So the people who had been wailing uh, laughed at him, but he put them all outside. He doesn't want them to be there to see this because that's not the point. The disciples seeing it is the point. He took the child's father, mother, and those who were with him and entered the place where the child was. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, get up. Uh, if you know the story in Acts 9, 936, Peter raises someone from the dead and he, he, it's one letter different. Peter says, Tabitha kum. The lady's name was Tabitha. Tabitha, get up. But here Jesus says, Talitha, the, the L is a B in Acts. Talitha kum, which is to say, little girl, get up. And this is what you say to people who are sleeping. This is how you wake people up. Say, kum, kum, get up, right? So Jesus says, little girl, uh, get up. Immediately, as you know, it's Mark. 
That's his favorite word. Immediately, the girl got up and began to walk. She was 12 years old, like the woman who'd been suffering for 12 years, and she was the daughter, and the woman was the daughter's wonderful parallel structure. I'm not sure what it means, but it's an interesting structure. At this, they were utterly astounded. Then he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this. Messianic secret. We're going to look at this later on. Don't tell anybody about this. And he told them to give her something to eat. I saw father was frightened as he looked down at me. And though my eyes were closed, still I could see the confusion and fear he failed to hide with a smile. As he wondered if he might lose his one and only child And so all at once he left and desperately ran In search of the one who might touch me with healing hands Talitha Kuli, he spoke like a song and cold at once I became strong Talitha Kumi He spoke with a smile As he handed my father back His only child Healing hands were touching my brow his healing hands, the sound of his healing words. Talitha Kumi, spoken soft in my ear. Though I was so far away, somehow I could hear. Though death had made me deaf, I heard with my heart. Thank you, Michael. While we have a moment, let's uh, let's share another listener comment that came to us. You want to read this one? Yeah, uh, this is from Faith. Um, she says, I'm 21 years old. I was raised listening to Michael Card albums and value their scriptural integrity. Recently, I was listening to his album, An Invitation to Awe, and I had a question regarding your song Malachi, specifically these lyrics in the song, your broken faith, your broken vow, the empty songs you sing. Listening to this song prompted me to read Malachi. Good. Way to go, Faith. That's, that's what the song mm-hmm. is for. Uh, <laughs> right. with, with a different perspective. But I'm curious to hear your thoughts on empty songs. This statement feels increasingly uh, relevant to the times we're living in. And I think that's the wonderful thing about God's Word in general. I mean, you read Malachi, and you think, 
that sounds just like now. Uh, you know, um, in fact, when when I, I read this from Faith this morning, getting ready for the programs, I reread Malachi. <laughs> and, Did you? Uh, yeah, I, I just I, I'd forgotten exactly the context of uh, that statement, and and what a wonderful closure to the Hebrew Bible. You know, there's this give give and forth, uh, give and take, back and forth questioning between God and His people, and uh, they've dropped the ball, and God just says, yeah. you know, just shut the temple doors. I don't yeah. want I don't want your sacrifices anymore. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to send someone, you know, uh, than the promise of John the Baptist and the promise promise of Jesus. So, uh, yeah, faith. I think it's it's as relevant now as it was then. I'm glad you brought up the point because uh, you know we need to examine the songs we're singing, yes, and make sure that they have some scriptural integrity and some depth to them instead of just being entertainment. Yeah, absolutely. And and one of the keys to that is the encouragement of people like Faith who'll take the time to write a letter and say. You know, I understood right. this part of the yeah. song, but I didn't understand this. And uh, um, so it, I'll just tell you this. I, I was looking on, uh, what is it, Amazon or something, and I, I was reading comments that people had put about a certain song that I'd written. And there was this, this one devastating uh, comment. He was tearing this album apart and uh, didn't even like the cover and didn't like the way it was packaged. And... <laughs> <laughs> and oh, one uh, of those, huh? <laughs> oh, it was it was just devastating. I mean, it ruined it ruined my day. And uh because I mean, I can take criticism, you know that, but this wasn't really any criticism that I could do anything about. And uh and so for someone to say, well, "You wrote this song, and here's part that I don't understand." Not, you know, you're an idiot and you you got how this much better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, how much better? Uh, so I sympathize with pastors who come out with fresh content every week and have to, you know, um, deal with that. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. We're going to wrap up this segment now as we come to the halfway point of this session. We hope you'll stop by the Michael Carr Music Facebook page and interact with other listeners about what you are learning or reach us directly when you send your comments, song requests, or questions via email. Write to in the studio at michaelcard.com. Again, in the studio at michaelcard.com. There's much more teaching and insights like what you've heard when you check out Michael's books and music. His latest book is titled The Nazarene, and it goes along with the teaching we're hearing from Michael on the life of Jesus. Explore all that is waiting for you at michaelcard.com. Well, there's more music and conversation coming your way after this message in the studio with Michael Card. Here's Michael with a word about the Christian Standard Bible. I like new Bible translations because they help me see new details in the text. That's why I was so excited to be a part of the CSB translation team. The careful attention to original languages from godly scholars has made a version of the Bible that I use. Visit csbible.com and explore the variety of options available to get this fresh translation into your hands. And when you order, receive your 40% discount on CSB purchases at Lifeway. Just type card 40 with no spaces for your 40% discount. The Christian Standard Bible, a great translation, a great selection, and a great discount. So many study Bibles and editions designed to make God's Word accessible in your life. I hope that you'll discover for yourself new insights as you read and study with this new Bible translation. Find a copy online when you visit csbible.com. One, two, three.
Back with you for the second half here in the studio with Michael Card. And this guy joins us next. You'll find out who it is after he sings. Sowing in the morning, sowing seeds of kindness, sowing in the noontide and the dewy, waiting for the harvest and the time of reaping. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Sowing in the sunshine, sowing in the shadows, fearing neither clouds nor winter's chilling breeze. By and by the harvest and the labor ended, we shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Though the loss sustain, our spirit often grieves. When our weeping's over, He will bid us welcome. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves, yeah, bringing in the sheaves. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves, oh, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves, yeah, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves, oh, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Now, that was recorded uh, some time ago. That's Jeff Taylor playing the piano, who, from mm-hmm. one of the greatest musicians to ever draw breath, <laughs> and also uh, <laughs> and also Buddy Green, uh, a, a person who's also one of the finest musicians in this town, but also just a wonderful friend and a person that's encouraged me over the years. My, my favorite Buddy Green story is he heard uh, that I had sort of gotten disgusted with music and didn't, didn't want to play music anymore, and uh, was in kind of a general bad mood. And he shows up at my front door with a little briefcase that has all of his harmonicas in it and his <laughs> notebook that has uh, him charts. And I said, what are you doing here? And he said, I've come to teach you how to love music again. <laughs> and we, we, we sat on the couch all afternoon and played hymns together, and he taught me to love music again. The so, music angel, huh? <laughs> yeah, he, yes, exactly. So... Uh, uh, so let me introduce to you just a, a good friend and a good brother, Buddy Green. Hey, Buddy. Hey, Mike. It's great to be yeah. here. And yeah. <laughs> you've recounted that story a lot. I'm not sure it was 
I was quite the the, uh, the angel you're painting me there, but <laughs> I, I just knew that uh, all you needed was a little poking and prodding to uh-huh. get you to remember what a great musician you are, my friend. Oh, well, yeah. Well, no, I can always remember a story better than it actually happened. That's something we do in my family. <laughs> That's the privilege uh, well, of old age. Man. We get to elaborate on our stories, don't we? But that's but right. That yeah, did... when we, we've got a lot of history, and I love to make revisions yeah. on it all the time, yeah. but, but, uh, or at least to revisit it. And, uh, Michael, we go back to the 80s. That did happen, though. I'm not, I did it, not make that it up. It did happen. I remember going out yeah. there, and it was a lovely yeah. afternoon. Susan yeah. was there to witness it. Uh huh. And we had a great time in your house. And, um, yeah. And it led to some more, you know, musical doings. We got Jeff in the in the mix, and um, and we've had some good times making music. Not lately. Yeah. We need to do it again, my friend. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we recorded that song we heard a moment ago at the Molin Studio when you had it there, Mike. We missed the studio uh-huh. and getting together that way. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm I'm kind of back at that place again. I sort of tell people the music has gone out of me, so it's time. For another infusion of of that Buddy Green youthful enthusiasm. Well, you you know you're right, and you have a great place actually. Now I've been out there to your mm-hmm. new place, and you have that mm-hmm. that barn. It was just made for um, for music, so mm-hmm. we need to fill the, those rafters with All right. some, I, more music. I see our producer Joe is stroking his chin right now and smiling. <laughs> so I think he, well, that means I've got to go clean the barn up. Is what that means. <laughs> Oh, don't clean it. No, just leave it like it is. I don't think you. I don't think you understand. It's full of. It's full of uh, uh, something that needs to be cleaned out. Let's say it that way. Okay. <laughs> well, buddy, catch us up. What's what's uh, what's going on in your life? Well, I'm about to be a father-in-law for the second time. Okay. My my younger daughter Georgiana is getting married at the end of October. So really, you know, that's kind of consuming all of us is getting ready for a wedding. Mm. And um, in fact, that's where Vicky's gone today. She's gone up to Ohio uh, to to the uh, to the land of my soon to be new son-in-law, where he's from originally, and uh, and they're going to have a a shower up there with with some of the relatives of uh, of. Uh, Susie, uh, okay. who will be my, I guess my new my new sister in law. Yeah, and you got <laughs> anyway, you got it's, excused. It's one huh? of those get acquainted weekends that they're doing uh, that that the women folk are doing, and okay. I've been well, left home for that. But well, well, I have a question. Have you given yeah. him the? Have you given him the? Uh, who do you think you are marrying my daughter? Talk. <laughs> oh yes. Oh yes. Good. Okay. Good. He passed in flying colors. He he did oh, well. Good. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've 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 got two son-in-laws, and I gave them both that talk, and it was a lot of fun seeing them squirm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I find that you know I, I did. The, I was pretty hard on my on my first son-in-law. That was ten or eleven years ago, and uh-huh. and now I I'm, I find that as I get older and and uh, that I'm 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 more merciful. I'm <laughs> wow. I'm more understanding. I'm willing to cut any would-be husband some slack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just get grumpier the older I get, so that we're going in different directions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm really grateful. He's uh, and and for my first son-in-law, he's a, he's been a great gift to our family and mm. wonderful dad to my, my one grandchild and um, and a good husband. And so I, you yeah. know, we're 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 pretty uh, blessed and 
fortunate and grateful for um, what's going on in our daughter's lives. Well, congratulations. But, yeah, thank you. So anyway, that's going on, and then I'm kind of more of a local guy these days. I'm not really on the road much anymore, but I'm really enjoying making music around the house and, you know, occasional trips to um, little jam sessions around town. Or uh, last weekend, I actually played a, a real gig with, with Jeff and a couple other musicians and got one coming up uh, next week. A real gig in in Franklin. <laughs> What's and, that? <laughs> uh, that's going to be with Paul Aldrich and Gary Chapman. We're um, mm-hmm. we're going to be playing at Puckett's Grocery. Oh, I saw that. I yeah. saw that. Yeah. It's going to be kind of a songwriter night. Yeah. Okay. So those little things come around every enough to you know keep me in front of an audience every once in a while, and I, I, I'm just I'm, I'm really enjoying that doing that and i mean occasionally i still head out and head out the door and go you know get on a plane and fly somewhere and do what i used to do take that little suitcase of harmonicas with you huh right yeah, yeah. i uh I, I did a concert at mount herman earlier this summer and plan on doing another one next summer and you know there's a few places usually that involve some long-standing relationships yeah that, that'll yeah. get me to I'm thinking of the uh, the cruises you've taken with the, the likes of Chuck Swindoll. I know you're a big, he's a big fan of yours, I know. Yeah, I did a bunch of work with Chuck over the years and cruises with some of it. Um, but gosh, you know, I between Chuck and the Gaithers and, and other folks out there, I, I must have done 30 cruises. And I finally realized... I'm cruised out. I'm <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Michael Michael was shaking his head as you brought that yeah. up. So <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think I did three or four cruises and I was cruised out. So yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it is a. It has its thing, but uh, it's it's not the. It it, it loses its uh, novelty after a while. <laughs> How can I put this nicely? Hey, I remember one time though running into. To you, Michael, up in Alaska, oh, we were this. on separate yeah. cruises and both uh, docked in Juneau or someplace on the same yep. day. So, so I go into a little coffee shop. I, I think it was Anchorage, actually, but I'm not sure either. And no, it uh, wasn't Anchorage because that's not a port. That, that's you. Oh, it's you not. didn't dock in Anchorage. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know you're good, Mike, well, but that wherever <laughs> he didn't it was. know where he was, he's just like every other musician. I don't know where I am right now. Actually, I'm not real sure. But uh, all, all he's looking for is the, is another coffee shop. You, you walk into a coffee shop in Alaska, and there's <laughs> Jeff Taylor and Buddy Green sitting there uh, yucking it up. So that was just can't get away I'll from never those boys. That. Huh? Yeah, that was yeah. pretty cool. Right. Oh, and get this. Uh, uh, so our 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 boat pulls into whatever uh, whatever port it is, and I get a text on my phone from Jeff Taylor, and he says, "Hey, could you move your boat? We're trying to get in and dock." <laughs> so he wants me to move the cruise ship. <laughs> oh, your your boat fun. your boat is in our way. Could you move your boat so we can dock? All right. Well, at the risk of bringing us uh, down to another level, uh, an important level, but uh, what 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 are you learning spiritually these days, buddy? We're all at different stages of life now, aren't we? Yeah. Um, you know, I am trying to pay attention a little better as an old man. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
It's an interesting season. Uh, I think for the last really four or five years, if, um, I've, I've really sort of been doing inventory um, and trying to just kind of think about my journey as um, as a as a husband and a and, and father and now grandfather mm-hmm. and and uh, but also you know my career uh, as a musician. Just uh, kind of looking back over it, and you know, of course, seeing God's hand in it so much better now. In hindsight, you know, at times I I was in the midst of whether it was a confusing time or um, or just caught up in all the activities so much I couldn't tell what was going on. But I, I journal a good bit, so I've gone back and looked at some of my journal entries and um, and thought, wow. I forgot about that frame of mind I was in, or I forgot about how much more I needed to learn at that point. I have to insert a Kierkegaard quote here. Kierkegaard said, life is lived forwards and understood backwards. It's, so that's it's exactly true. what you're experiencing. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And so, you know, you hear people in in uh, their, in their senior stage of life sometimes referred to as being wiser or whatever. And I think it's just that, you know, you've seen a lot more, you've done a lot more, you're not surprised by nearly as much. And uh, and it can either, I think it can probably lead to cynicism or shutting people down, but I don't know. I've, uh, I've been fortunate in that um, the hope of the gospel pervades it all, and mm. um, and I see the faithfulness of God in it all. And so it's actually led me to be, I think, a, maybe a little better worshiper and uh, someone who's really searching the scriptures more than ever to is jesus more real to you yes yes he is and i think that person of jesus has never been more important to me um Mm. i think sometimes in the past as a christian i've uh, jesus has been more of an abstraction to me or something or or Mm. some sort of a doctrinal point but but now he's uh, pivotal as to how I relate to God, my Father, how I how I relate to the world, how I understand Scripture. I mean, he is the he is the focus of it all. He's the, the prism yeah. that every it, I have to view it all through him. Mm. So yeah, I mean, I, it, there's still so much mystery. I can't. Um, I can't articulate it very well, <laughs> as this conversation proves. But I really do um, love and need my Savior more than ever. Mm. Can't be said better than that. Yeah. Yeah, I I think you, as you get at least as, as I've gotten older, uh, I care about fewer things, but the those fewer things that I d- do care about I care about far more deeply so your life just sort of gets smaller but um, but deeper that's the best way I can put it and and Jesus is the center of that he really is he's the person that I understand everything through and I I walk through my day and I just find myself whisper I whisper to myself Lord Jesus all day all day it's I guess it's a prayer maybe it's a prayer but uh, a call for help or something but I'm just saying oh Lord Jesus Lord Jesus 
Yeah. You know, m- my mother suffered from Alzheimer's uh, for mm-hmm. uh, about 10 years. It was a long, slow degeneration mm-hmm. for her. and uh, But the things that her mind held on to were uh, the hymns. She could she could remember hymns and sing along with them for yeah. a while, and then when that went, finally it was just uh, she would just say Jesus and mm. um, help you know help Jesus or mm. um, uh, um, anyway she would just it was mainly just that word would be on her mouth and and, and on her lips, and I was just like uh, it really it it, it was. Uh, well, it was just another thing. You know, it was one of those glimpses for me then of the faithfulness of God in her life. Right, right. Understood. Yeah. You know, you talk about understanding better, looking backwards. Um, one of the songs I really enjoy hearing you sing, Buddy, is Hard Times, the old classic Hard yeah. Times, and the emotion you put into that. Uh, we don't have that song here, but we do have a song about suffering that you did in the studio with us back in the Molen days. Talk about suffering. Do you want to set this up? Yeah, it's an old mountain ballad. Um that I first heard, I think, Ricky Skaggs do with Ricky Skaggs and Tony Rice way, way back 40 years ago on a, uh, an album project of old mountain uh, ballads and duets. And and it's, it, it moved me immediately the first time I heard it. The music was very haunting, and um, but it's it, like so many of those old mountain ballads and gospel things from simple people. It was, it was a very simple lyric, but it was just, it had huge blanks for you to fill in your own circumstances. I remember one time talking to Doc Watson about this song after I'd met him, and he said, oh, that song, he said, I remember my mother when I was a little blind boy um, sitting at her wow. feet while she hung, hung out the, 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 the laundry to dry. And she would be singing that song and crying at the same time, and wow. it was such an image of—I mean, here's somebody in poverty with a with a little blind child at their feet, wondering, you know, how are we going to get through this? And he said, uh, "I mean, then to hear that coming from the mouth of Doc Watson, I thought, ooh, now here's somebody who really understands this song." Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's because it was really—it's a precious song to me, and I still love to do it. Um, it's just, it has this, that universal quality that these old ancient songs do. do. That's why they hang around as long as they do. Yeah. Well, I, I want to thank you for giving us a block of your time. I know you're busy, uh, with getting, getting ready for the wedding and everything, but, uh, (laughs) it sure is good just to hear your voice and we need Uh, to, that's great to to be with you. Good to hear yours. Uh, Wayne. When you come to town, let's get together and okay. Um, and Joe, you too. I don't, you're back there unheard, for, but it's great being with these <laughs> the old unheard friends one, again. Yeah. And hey, let's meet in Michael's barn. Let's what do you do. say? I'm ready. All right, okay. all right. We'll we'll bring a recorder all along right. and share it with I'll, our friends. So I'll have a broom for each one of you. Yeah, we'll see you. <laughs> yeah, we'll get Jeff, Ron, Block. We'll just bring over. We'll have a big old picking party over there. That's what we need. Yeah. Okay. All right. Recorded at the Molin Studio, Jeff Taylor plays accordion here, and Buddy sings Talk About Suffering.
talk about suffering here below and let's keep loving Jesus. Talk about suffering here below and let's keep following Jesus. The gospel train is coming and now don't you want to go? world of sorrow and trouble here below. Oh, can't you hear it, mother? And now don't you want to go and leave this world of sorrow? And trouble here below suffering here below and let's keep loving Jesus. Talk about suffering here below and let's keep following Jesus. Oh, can't you hear it, Father? And now don't you want to go? Trade is coming. Now, don't you want to go and leave this world of sorrow and trouble?
If this hour has been used by the Lord to encourage a renewed desire to live out your faith, we hope you'll let us know. There's several ways to do this. Post a review of this podcast, pass along the link to a friend, or email your reactions when you write in the studio at michaelcard.com. We look forward to reading your email in the studio at michaelcard.com. And stay current with Michael's ministry and interact with other listeners when you check out the Michael Card Music Facebook page. We're excited about the partnership with our sponsors at the Christian Standard Bible. Visit csbible.com. The Bible is the foundation of all we do in this podcast, and we're happy to point you to the many ways you can read and study with this fresh translation in your hands. Explore all that's available for you and use the 40% discount on CSB purchases at Lifeway. Use the promotion code CARD40. Just type CARD40 with no spaces for your 40% discount. Choose a copy that fits your needs online at csbible.com. And join us again next week for another podcast edition. Now for Ron Davis, Susan Sermon, Lance Mansfield, and our producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for sitting in on this session in the studio with Michael Card.